There's a good old-fashioned word for people like suckers. The Outline World Dispatch. Monday, May 8th, 2017. I'm John Lago Marcino. On today's Dispatch, Billy Disney and Sam Thonis with some drama out of Wisconsin. And uh, it got a little bitter, we'll put it that way. And Roland Bishop talks to the Grand Poobah of the First Church of Cannabis. So it's the cosmic trickster. Here's the Dispatch. Culture. Okay, so Billy Disney. Hello. And Sam Thonis. Hey. So you guys were just in Wisconsin shooting something for the outline. Can you tell me about it? Uh, yeah, we were doing this short doc in this town called Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Uh, they do this annual contest there where this local radio station reads trivia questions over the air for 54 hours straight and hundreds of teams participate. So trivia, 48, 359 teams, 9,942 players. Are you ready to play this game, peoples? The whole town gets, like, really into it, and the reason we were interested in it is because uh, it claims to be the world's largest trivia contest. There's a tension in the air, a sort of electricity that cannot be ignored. But what was more interesting to us than it being the biggest is a lot of the, like, weird local traditions um, that come with an annual event like this. Yeah, and one of the best examples of that, I think, started with three people it started with a guy named jim a guy named barry and a guy named robert redford jim basically runs the show for the radio station animated character mr turner gives pet names to different characters around the house what is the title and name he gives to the unicorn how would you describe him billy uh jim is an italian guy from chicago who moved to stevens point and he's been running this contest for about 40 years. Uh, Owen, the, the reporter on the story, actually compared him to Jerry Garcia at one point. And he was like, yeah, I am kind of like Jerry Garcia. And then he held up his hands and wiggled his fingers. And he was like, but I got all of these. That's the kind of guy Jim is. What I want going out over the air is chaos, total chaos. We need to sound like we haven't a goddamn clue of what we're doing. And then there's Barry. Yeah, so Barry Heck is this guy who's been doing the contest since the mid-70s. Um, he has a team called Network. They, they work out of, their, uh, out of his mom's basement, actually, where they have this incredible physical library of books about just every random fact you could imagine. Like up here is, is the beginning of my favorite collection. It's, it's the Almanac collection. He, he's just this soft-spoken, brilliant trivia genius. The team now has every edition of the World Almanac. Barry's awesome. And he's been playing pretty much since the beginning of the contest when he was a kid. And then the third player in the story is Robert Redford. Yeah, Robert Redford is Robert Redford. He's one of the most famous actors of the 60s and 70s. I'll jump first. Nope. Then you jump first. No, I said. What's the matter with you? I can't swim! These three guys uh, ended up in this strange trivia tradition in Stevens Point. Barry and Jim go way back. Well, uh, he's my old math teacher. I was in his um, algebra class in ninth grade. That would have been the um, 75, 76 school year. 
So during the contest, Jim goes by the name The Oz, which is the name for the host. He's been doing it since 1979. And ever since Jim became The Oz, knowing how to work with and around him has become a big part of the strategy for Barry and his team. Um, you know, the relationship is, is sometimes strained, but generally pretty good. Jim mans the contest's complaint line himself, in case there's a dispute over a question. This is 90FM's station manager, Kyle Pachinski. Uh, if there's a trouble with a question or an answer, or if they think someone thinks that their answer should have been correct, then they call this guy. You get to talk to Jim Oliver, and sometimes it's not that pleasant, we'll put it that way. Seriously? No, sometimes they are right, and I'm wrong. Tell yeah. me about something last recently you were I don't see about. how we have to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what gets us to Robert Redford. Okay, in 1979, I wrote the contest for the first time. And one question that I got from Time magazine was uh, who was appointed, or the person who was appointed sword commissioner in Provo, Utah in 1976, Robert Redford. So, gosh, we didn't uh, know, but we got the mayor of Provo on the phone right away, and he told us who it was, a fellow named J. Earl Wignall. After, after we gave the answer, Robert Redford, some complaints started coming in, and they're saying, we've been on the phone with the mayor of, of Provo, Utah, and so-and-so is the sewer commissioner, and I said, yeah, I don't think so, I need some proof. Well... The answer given on the air was was Robert Redford, who actually um, lived out in Provo Canyon, which is a completely different place in spite of the fact that they both have the word Provo in their names. So we're fighting over this thing um, for like 12 hours with first place hanging in the balance. Jim just won't give in. No, the actor Robert Redford at the height of his career did not actually serve in like the fourth largest city in Utah, which is a real job, as their sewer commissioner. He really didn't do that. It doesn't sound hard. That It would be hard to convince someone that no, he really did not do that. But it was extremely hard and uh, it got a little bitter, we'll put it that way. Between you and the Oz? Yes. Eventually, Jim gets a hold of Robert Redford's manager, but oddly enough, even he didn't know the answer. So then he got on the phone with the mayor of Provo himself. And so it turns out, talking to the mayor of Provo, Utah, that Robert Redford, in fact, was appointed uh, sewer commissioner of Provo Canyon, Utah, which Time Magazine forgot to put in their article. They left out the word canyon. Apparently in Provo Canyon, Redford's position was kind of a neighborhood joke, and the position was more of a figurehead. So I go out and I get on the air, and I'm like, yeah, I've got to throw this question out. And I was really hurt because, you know, I'd worked so hard and made all these long-distance calls, and I was wrong. So then the following year, first question was, who was appointed sort commissioner of Provo Canyon, Utah in 1976? And everybody called him Robert Redford. The tension with Barry isn't Jim's only strained relationship. It's affected his personal life, too. I've been thinking about this a lot, and I've been thinking that with trivia, I can't have a, I, I can't put a woman through this. I, I, it just doesn't work out. Does it get you really tied up? This gets you kind of all 
turn oh, yeah, it inside yeah. out. I mean, it's, every which it's way. cost me two marriages. Really? Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Trivia. Yeah. That's really how much this contest means to Jim. Keeping this tradition alive is more important to him than any one relationship. And tradition is the reason the answer to the first question every year is always the same. Song, correct answer, Robert Redford. Robert Redford was the correct answer to question number one. On to question number two, hour one, Trivia 48. What is the brand and product which used the following trademark slogan There's a lot more to the story of Stevens Point Trivia than just this. And if you go to theoutline.com, you can check out the awesome mini doc that these guys made. And you can also take a quiz and try to answer some of the toughest questions from this year's contest. You can find a link in the show notes. Power. The first church of cannabis is inextricably linked to Mike Pence. The Indianapolis-based church came into being because of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. It was signed by Pence, who was governor in 2015. The RFRA granted religious freedom rights to corporations, and it also allowed the exercise of religion as a defense in legal proceedings. Bill Levin, founder and grand poobah of the first church of cannabis, saw an opportunity. He launched the church as an institution promoting love, compassion, and smoking weed. All right, as Canitarians, and when we start a service, the first thing we do is we stand up. We say three words five times, okay? I love you! I love you! I love you! The church tried to incorporate marijuana into its services, but local law enforcement wasn't having it. So Levin filed a lawsuit against the state of Indiana and city of Indianapolis in July 2015. He argued that the laws against possession of marijuana directly violated its religious beliefs, which should be protected under the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Now, Mike Pence was reportedly the main influence behind the executive order on religious freedom signed by President Donald Trump last week. It also gives weight to the idea that religious beliefs are a valid reason to defy the law. Given the parallels, I gave Bill Levin a call to catch up on the church's fight for religious freedom. Like you say, you sort of stay away from internal politics. Are you aware of the lawsuits that the church had filed in like 2015 about religious discrimination and all that good stuff? Oh yeah, no, no, no. I filed that. <laughs> that, 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 that's yeah, that's my department. Yes, I'm very aware of that. Okay, uh, what is the status of that? Is that still kind of going through the courts? Yeah, we've uh, we've done all our depositions, uh, had a great time, had our professional witnesses, and the final hearing will be in October of this year. And it's all been plotted out, and we've done everything in a timely manner, and we look good. We look damn good. I feel like a kid, I feel like a seven-year-old kid waiting for Santa to come on Christmas, you know. Is it October yet? Is it October yet? Is it October yet? No, it's not October yet. And basically this is the the idea that this would be the judgment of whether or not your church would be able to use cannabis legally. Legally allowed to um, use it as a sacrament, yeah. (laughs) Now... 
are you aware of the current religious freedom executive order that's sort of being bandied about? Yeah. <laughs> it made me laugh my ass off. I, uh, I laughed. I laughed very hard. Um, you know, it's, uh, God works in mysterious ways. It's all I got to say. Um, I'm smiling. I'm looking forward to, uh, the, the judges, you know, uh, outcome on this. You have to be familiar with Mike Pence. You're based just outside of Indianapolis, right? Well, no, I'm based right in Indianapolis. Um, and when Mike ran for office that same year, I was running for office. So, you know, I'd see Mikey, you know, backstage at the, uh, various, you know, political gatherings. Hey, nice guy, got good hair, got a cute little wife, you know, doesn't go anywhere without the wife. Um, but yeah, Mike's got great hair. <laughs> that, that's good to know. I don't know if I've, I'd ever, like, looked at him in that light. Well, I had to say something nice, and damn, he had fine hair. Matter of fact, I think both the president and the vice president have good manes. Definitely well worth uh, discussing. <laughs> you are familiar with Mikey, as, as you called him. Um, and the order under the language could be read to say that, you know, smoking weed is permissible if it's religious. Does that seem like something the Mike Pence you know would agree with? Wouldn't have to agree with it. With it. He wrote it. It's just the interpretation of what he wrote. I'm sure he didn't mean that he was writing a perfect platform for our church. But, you know, he's writing a perfect platform for a lot of people. It just depends on how you view it. And that can almost be taking, you know, the same way with the original law that allowed the formation of the church in the first place. Yeah, he... he. <sighs> I, I don't always understand Mikey. I don't understand what drives him. Uh, thank you so much uh, for speaking with me. I do have one final question for you. Yes, sir. What's your service going to be about tonight? I was toying with friendship. Um, I was toying with friendship, and I was toying with Murphy's Law. I've done Murphy's Law a couple times. We're just getting out of Mercury in retrograde, so. Um, it's been a brutal, you know, three or four weeks there. And if you've never looked up Mercury in retrograde, have you had any computers or car trouble in the last three weeks? Well, I did have to replace a computer. In the last three weeks? Mm-hmm. Okay. Google Mercury in retrograde and realize that this goes on once or twice a year. So it's the cosmic trickster, um, but if you go read it, you'll get a kick out of it, and you'll start paying attention to it the rest of your life, and you'll go, that nut from the church told me this. So, yeah, go Google Mercury and Retrograde. You'll have fun with that. I'll have to do that. Thanks, Bill. Cool. No problem. I love you. You know, these are little benefits in life you can't get in school. That's it for The Dispatch. 
Uh, but hey, if you are enjoying what we're doing here and you want to give us a hand, it would be really helpful if you could go to Apple Podcasts or on your desktop iTunes and leave us a rating or review. Or if uh, that's not really your style, why don't you tell a friend about the World Dispatch? We would be very grateful. Thanks for listening. I'm John Lago Marcino. Till tomorrow. <laughs>